TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's the Score North Twin Show. There's a blast to right center field, deep to the gap, up and gone. He's got another one. Three straight games of the homer. When he gets hot, like we said, he can hit him in bunches. It's always good to get a one nothing lead, just like Jock Jones' license plate says. And Kepler with home runs in all three games in this interleague series. That highlight courtesy of Fox Sports North. This is the Score North Twins show on Score North on 1500scorenorth.com. Want to get in on the Twins talk? 651-646-8255 or hit us at Score North. I'm Rami Makloff. Our Twins reporter, Derek Wetmore. You find his musings and thoughts on the Twins at scorenorth.com alongside Manny Hill. On the other side of the glass, what did I miss with that Jock Jones license plate reference? I love that that's actually his license plate. He used to lead off for the Twins and, you know, mid 2000s, early 2000s, and Gardy jokingly called him 1 and 0. Like that was his nickname because he'd go up, lead off, and belt one out. And he did it often enough that it just stuck as a nickname. But I love that he actually put it on a vanity plate on his car. His that's license awesome. plate was 1 and 0. Well, that's what Morneau just said. That that's it's a 1 nothing lead, is what his license plate says. That's which is great. Awesome. Was it 14 leadoff home runs Jack hit in 2002? I don't know. You're I the trivia like guy, that. I think it was he hit yeah. like 14 leadoff home runs that year. <laughs> a ridiculous amount. And yeah. it wasn't, he wasn't like a prototypical leadoff hitter. But, I mean, as we're seeing now, there's not really such thing as a prototypical leadoff hitter. I Get on base a, and do damage. I love a guy who's so swaggy, he puts it on his license plate. Yes. Like, do, you guys, do you guys remember the punters, Todd Sauerbrunn? Oh, yeah. Who came into the NFL with huge expectations. Okay. His license plate, when he showed up as a rookie to Bears camp... Was hang time. Oh. <laughs> oh, no. That's why I couldn't get it when I made a special request at the uh, DMV. That's a rookie punter. Yeah, I tried to put my nickname on the plates. With That's... the hang time license plate. Woo. Didn't that used to be the Saturday morning show with Reggie Theus or something? Hang time on like NBC. I think you're Saturday right. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. It's called hang time. But, yeah. uh, but yeah, I like, I like the swag carrying over to Oof. the license plate. That's nice. I think the Twins should have some swag, even though they lost two of three this weekend, Derek. Am I crazy to call that that weekend series? I don't know if I'd call it a moral victory, but I thought it was uh, I thought it was a good showing by the Twins over the weekend in Philly against a very good Phillies team in front of some huge crowds. And we know Philly crowds aren't easy to, pl- to play in front of. And then you had the weather being what it was on Friday night. It was it was a rough weekend and a good test for the Twins, and I thought they showed themselves pretty well. Yeah, they showed heart. You'd rather have two wins out sure. of that, obviously, than come home with one, or head to New York, I should say, with one, because that's going to be a tough little two-gamer for them, too, uh, if you look at the pitching matchups midweek here. But this Twins team is exciting. It's interesting. Rios throws yesterday, and they're showing power throughout their lineup. There are a number of different signs that you can look at and say, yes, this is good. This is trending in the right direction. Um, but still, you'd, you'd rather come with the results. I'm not a big moral victory guy, especially early in the season. Uh, in April, uh, I'm comfortable dismissing the moral victories and saying, give me actual victories. And with the uh, by, by falling two out of three against the Phillies over the weekend, they fall out of first place. They're now all the way down in third place, Derek. I don't know if this Twins team can recover. It might be over. I mean, the powerhouse <laughs> Detroit Tigers atop the division <laughs> right. at seven and three, the Indians sitting there at six and three, and then it you have the, over. Uh, the Twins at, at five and three. Last year, Rami, famously, and you'll, you'll catch on to this throughout mm-hmm. the season. I'm going to catch a lot of heat 
I'm not calling this Twins team over. I should have. I actually have to clarify that because of what happened last year. A year ago on last weekend of April, I'm sitting at Target Field with Judd Zolgad, our mutual friend, and mm-hmm. I said, "Boy, I don't like. I don't like the vibe around here, man. I." Yeah, this thing's over. I'm, I'm stick a fork in it. The twins are dead. And Judd turned to me. His eyes lit up like a Christmas tree. What? You do you actually think that? I said, Yeah. I mean, I I was kind of joking, but I think that it's it's over. They're cooked. And, and what he point says, in the season was this? This was late April, early May. Wow. Um, and wow. he says what he was so excited about. I found out was that I finally had a hot take. That's as hot as they come for me. I'm middle of the road guy. We'll see it play out. Oh, you got to see both sides. And he goes, oh, if, if you believe that, you've got to write it. Write it today. <laughs> so I did. I wrote it for the weekend, whatever. May 1st, I published. I've got the receipts. I published that the twin season was over. Not just that the math was looking bad, but hey, the Indians are great. And there's this bad Buxton news, bad Castro news, bad Irvin Santana news, bad Miguel Sano news. This just doesn't look good for the twins. And I had to take the abuse for four or five weeks until people finally Came around to your way of thinking? Well, some of them came around, but some of them just got tired of poking me about it, and I think they gave up on it. Uh, And then it turned out I I happened to be right. Of course, don't get me any credit for that. That's fine. I'll just take the abuse. So I have to clarify when I say I don't actually think this season is over, Rami. I I actually like this Twins team. No, plenty of baseball to be played. You can say that. The Twins have... Not looked bad. I mean, other than Friday night, Friday was bad. Yeah, they have. But other, I mean, they haven't looked bad yet so far this season, well, and have actually looked good and have been competitive in every game they've played except for Friday. And I, I want to ask you about like so Milwaukee or the Cubs or whatever. Just mm-hmm. in general, mm-hmm. I look at how every team is going to have a stinker. Like they played like crap on Friday. It was right. a bad, ugly baseball game, throwing it everywhere. It was. It was. Probably cold and misty in Philadelphia. Jake Odorizzi looked like he didn't want to be there, and then his wish was granted very early on in that game. (laughs) All teams, the best of them, have a game like that. What I'm curious to see is, how do you bounce back after that? And I thought they responded fairly well from Saturday and Sunday. What what do you think when you see kind of clown baseball going on? Saturday was a great sign. And and this goes back to something we talked about last week after the, the first loss of the season, the second game of the season, against the Indians, and and it was kind of a quiet clubhouse, and Rocco Baldelli walked into the clubhouse and said, why is it, why is it so quiet in here? Turn <laughs> yeah, some music on. Yes. Have some fun. We have 162 of these to play. If you're going to sulk every time we lose one, it's going to be a long season. We're not going to have a lot of fun playing this game. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that, that that type of mentality of not letting the lows get too low and not letting the highs get too high, especially after... A, a a bad loss like that. I think there's there's a scale of how good or bad losses can be. The the other two losses or the other the two losses in Philadelphia this weekend. One of them, I should say. You were in it all the yep. way till the end and and yep. showed some fight. I think that showing up the day after a really ugly day like that is 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 an important thing and it's a good sign for a young Twins team. Yeah, and the fact that they were able to get the pitching done. I mean, Pineda, who had thrown forty pitches in his first start, well. We're going to need a little more out of you today, bud, because your piggyback mate had to come in in that game. I mentioned Oda Rizzi's short start. Not all his fault. I'm kind of just getting a quick one-liner mm-hmm. off while I can. Right. Um, I actually thought his first start was all kinds of impressive. It was surprising to me how, how poorly he followed that up. Uh, but then Perez has Bad to pitch in that game. No roof, you know. Yeah, yeah. 
to no fruit. <laughs> Is that what it was? Is that what it was, Manny? It was. I was watching that game and no I thought, roof. you know, if only there was a roof, he might have hit a few spots. I mean, I'm just saying. Jeez. It does affect performance. Jeez. That's all. Well, so yeah, get a short start, and that's tough for any team. But the Twins have 11 pitchers right now because of the early season schedule quirks. So you had to figure something out. Martin Perez comes up, steps up. Yeah, they lose the game, and like I said, it was ugly. From a from a weather perspective, from an offensive perspective, from a fielding perspective, it was just it was bad baseball. You you didn't like to see a game like that. But then for them to stretch their bullpen and cover, I think it was like seven and was it seven and third innings mm-hmm. off the top of my head um, to to cover that game, including Martin Perez. Well, then Pineda on Saturday he showed up for me. I mean, that's what I'm looking for out of Pineda in a situation like that. I say, all right, you're going out here today and. We kind of need you. I, I mean, I'm not expecting a complete game shutty, but I'm expecting you to get through a number of innings, sort of ease the burden on this bullpen that had to carry a big load on Friday. And he did. I mean, five innings, four hits. That's a pretty good performance. And then you go to a quartet of trusted relievers after that. Uh, the Twins did have to make a roster move before the game. We can get into that. Uh, cost them a, a power bat off the bench. But they basically were desperate for pitching. And it turned out to not be that big of an issue because their starters and trusted relievers ended up just taking care of business. That's good to see. Probably the most positive thing to come out of the weekend series in Philly was the weekend Max Kepler had five hits, three home runs, six RBI in the three-game series against the Phillies this weekend. And this is a guy who the Twins took. I mean, it wasn't a blockbuster contract, but took a bit of a gamble on him, giving him the extension before the season started after three okay seasons there. I wasn't sure what to think of Max Kepler. Uh, this weekend, I'm not saying it's fully made up my mind, but this weekend is an impressive uh, exclamation point on the Twins being able to say, oh, we think he's better than his numbers have been. You look at his surface-level numbers and you just see sort of sideways steps. He's made his lateral progressions each of the past couple of years. You know, He's not jumping out of his shoes on base percentage-wise. Not a ton of power, but he can hit some. Some line drives and some good defense, but you're like, you always wanted more, more. You watch Max Kepler and you say, that's a great baseball player. And why why don't the numbers at the end of the year, why don't they stack up? Well, good start to the year for him now and some validation for the Twins giving him that contract to say, no, you know what? It's been a little bit disappointing. If you call 2018 a disappointing year, um, sort of below average offensively, you just thought he's not really that young anymore. What's... What's the story here? When is he ever going to break out? The Twins made a bet on that breakout. Like you said, it wasn't a huge, huge bet, but it is long in terms of the number of years to ink a guy to say, you're our guy. That It surprised me a little bit with the length of the contract, but I definitely, definitely see what they're saying when, when they say, come out in a press conference and say, hey man, the underlying factors, we think this guy's already star caliber player, and he showed it this weekend. He was their best hitter. Part of that's Nelson Cruz not being there too, but I I really think that this is a real step forward for Max Kepler. So you think this is, not that he's going to hit a home run every game, obviously, but you think that this is closer to the real Max Kepler than than what we've seen in the past? Yeah, I do. He's coming I, into his own. I'm really will. curious to see this leadoff thing. Is that, A, is it something he's changed by being a leadoff hitter, or B, is this just, all right, stop thinking, go up there, you're one of our best hitters act like it and we've got these good hitters lining up behind you just go get on base and as a result i mean he's stinging the ball line drives home runs 
Uh, if you believe in hashtag on pace stats, Rami, it's looking pretty good for Max Kepler right now. What is he? Is it three home runs, four home runs? Uh, like, four, I think. I'm not sure. Through he had three in a row, one every day, and uh, that's through just eight games for the Twins. No, so just a three. I'm sorry. Three just homers three. in eight games is a pretty good hashtag pace. If Max Kepler <laughs> keeps that up all season, uh, I think you're going to be pretty happy with that production. Is he part of the the core of this team? If they're ever to contend, is he going to be one of the best players on this roster? Would you think? Definitely. Yeah. I mean, they made that bet. They basically said. You're our guy going forward. Jorge Polanco, you're our guy going forward. These are the guys they're betting on. We'll see what happens with Byron Buxton. Awesome, awesome signs from my eye early in this season from Buxton. And also, I mean, Eddie Rosario is going to be one of the best players on the team. Miguel Sano is on the comeback trail. I don't know how it's going to format, Rami. Like, I, I couldn't take a Red Sox roster from last year and be like, okay, well, Buxton is their Mookie Betts and Kepler's their J.D. Martinez. I don't think it lines up like that, but in terms of prominence and important players, I absolutely think he's on the short list uh, when this team gets back to October and if they advance through October, he's going to be one of those guys that other teams are thinking about. Has he done anything different from last year to this year? We heard about Byron Buxton and the 21 pounds of muscle and shortening the leg kick and a calmer approach and, and not necessarily... And- Less outside noise is one of the things that he really sure. focused on this year. Have we heard that Max Kepler has has done anything different, whether it's in his approach and his swing and his stance, anything to to indicate that these results were coming? No, I mean, not to my eye. I, I watch him and I see same old Max Kepler. Now he's just stinging the ball with regularity. I would say the Twins already felt those signs were there. They thought his approach was fine. Hey, hunt, hunt for your pitch. Do damage when you get it, just like every team in the league's talking about now. But Kepler was up there in terms of exit velocity off the bat and accuracy with his barrel, you know, really putting solid contact on it and getting it in the air. Uh, he was already kind of doing those things and he's just hitting a lot of fly ball outs. And I don't know. I don't know if he's made a conscious trade off. I think he's always been uh, a guy who. He's trying to go up there, find a pitch he can hit, and hit the ball hard. I don't think there's some deep, you know, Justin Turner turnaround here. All right, I don't think he's uh, Josh Donaldson. Oh, you know, I should uh, try to lift this a little bit more and sting it. I think he's just sort of been this player, and now it's playing out the way the Twins wanted to see it. So um, opening day is right now happening at Wrigley Field down in Chicago, and you, I've made my thoughts known about a roof over stadiums, blah, 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 over the course of my time here in Minnesota. Are you already now, tired of defending this take? People are tweeting me. Well, look, I'm not the one who brings it up. People are now tweeting me pics. From oh, did Rigley, I bring it up just now, Rigley Manny? Field, I, I, opening must, day, I must have missed that. Say, you want to put a roof over this? Yes. Yes, I do. Yes, <laughs> I, I do. I can't believe you want to put a roof over Wrigley Field. Dude, this I love the highlight. Low-key, this is a little inside baseball, but I love uh-huh. the highlight that got clipped up of that, Manny, that's now stirring up all over social media, where you, Manny, asked the question, so hold on a second. You want a roof like yes. Would you put one over Wrigley yes. and Rami? No hesitation. Yeah. Yes, I didn't would. Even, didn't even have, did, didn't even let me finish the question. He's like, yes. I got that no is, problem with it. No that problem. That is what we it. call Twitter traction, my friends. That one has taken off a my little bit. My mentions were a war zone this weekend. <laughs> you, all all <laughs> I know, Friday man. Friday on. All I my know. My mentions were an absolute war zone this weekend. You're like that Reds hitter, uh, Derek Dietrich. All I know is you earned it. <laughs> 
No, people keep provoking me. You it all it. started. It all started because one of our listeners, I forget his name. God bless you. Thank you for listening and following and everything else. But he tweeted me a picture from the Phillies game Friday, from the Phillies Twins game Friday night, saying out here in the elements and loving it. And there was literally a tarp on the field oh, behind him Terry. in the picture. I saw that, yes. So that's yes. what started the whole thing. I didn't start it. People keep tweeting me pictures trying to illustrate how open-air stadiums are better than roofed stadiums, and they keep missing their mark horribly. Judd, I don't know. Judd and Phil did it from Target Field, and they looked miserable. Like, it was so cold they couldn't breathe. I thought Dave St. Peter got you pretty yeah, good. Yeah, he tweeted me a picture of them cleaning snow off the field in Cleveland. Telling me they don't need a roof. And yes. then this dude tweets me a picture with a tarp behind him telling me how great it is that it's an open air stadium. You guys are really missing your mark in provoking me, but I'll keep having this fight with you if way you to go. want. Way to go, James Terry. And I'm by happy. the way, 14 inches of snow at last check coming to Minnesota <laughs> this Thursday. Play ball! So, hey, so what's going on in Chicago? They're, uh, they're, is their game in, no, it's, in it's, jeopardy? No, or? it's beautiful. And that's oh. what, so people are oh, texting, are tweeting me pictures of uh-huh. the beautiful opening ceremonies of Wrigley Field's home opener and saying, you want to put a roof on this? Hmm. Yes. Yes, I do. Oh, I would. <laughs> If the technology exists, Man, I, I was led to believe it. that baseball could not be played in open air. <laughs> <laughs> that you had to go to a carpeted basement with no windows. That's That was that the impression I got. That is not what I said. That okay. is not at all what I said. Build every <laughs> stadium like the kingdom. Yeah. <laughs> you guys are now misrepresenting me entirely. But that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> I'll keep fighting the good fight because I'm right. We'll hit a quick break. On the other side, we do have to check on uh, what's going on in the rest of the division. And we have some news on Miguel Sano. I believe his name came up this segment. We have some news about Miguel Sano coming up right after this. You're listening to the Score North Twins Show on Score North on 1500 and scorenorth.com. Let's bat around some banter. Twins. Twins. The Score North Twin Show on Score North and scorenorth.com. Inside the bag, base hit, fair ball, down the left field line, headed toward the corner. Santana will have a two-out RBI double. Bauer scores, and Santana continues to sizzle. Indians TV on the call. This is Score North on 1500 and scorenorth.com. It's the Score North Twins show. I'm Rami Makloff along with Derek Wetmore, Manny Hill. On the other side of the glass, just one of our vast array of Twins shows that you'll find wherever you download podcasts. Just search Score North Twins. You have this fine show right here. Derek and I do five thoughts every Friday. Now, Roycey on baseball every Tuesday and the Glenn Perkins show every Thursday in this very time slot. Then again, at six o'clock, so much Twins talk, so much Twins programming. If that's what you're looking for search score north twins wherever you download podcasts or just go and get that score north app are also available on your alexa device just say alexa turn on score north which i just did for you and we're available on spotify as well that was uh part of what was a pretty good weekend for those cleveland indians Derek wetmore they get the sweep in uh in toronto over the weekend and start looking like that indians team people expected them to be coming into the season yeah and one of these days they're gonna catch the detroit tigers the powerhouse of the division yeah i think that will happen at some point maybe maybe i mean the tigers are a pretty good ball club could be next season Mm -hmm. who knows they will eventually catch up could be later tonight (laughs) (laughs) all right you took the words out of my mouth four game sweep uh against toronto and toronto's sort of given up on the year fine whatever but still to win four, to pad your win total, um, and their pitching looks like it's ready to blast off. There is a sense of optimism if you're rooting against the Indians, and that's that Francisco Lindor's not anywhere close to returning to the playing field. Um, but 
You see the performance on the mound that Carrasco put in over the weekend and that Trevor Bauer has put forth this season. My AL Cy Young pick. Uh, how about Clevenger striking out 10? I mean, it's it's a daunting rotation for that exact reason. That's going to be why I think April is such a fascinating month because like, if you're the Twins, you never want to get the Indians out of your sight. You want to be right there at their heels or ahead of them at every checkpoint, at, at every Whenever you look at the standings, I try not to do it until June, but inevitably it happens. You want them in your sights, and yeah, four-game sweep is a pretty good way to pad the totals. Can I give you what's in it, what should be an encouraging sign for the Minnesota Twins? Please do. Even though the Indians swept the Blue Jays over the weekend. First Hashtag of all, optimism reigns. The Blue Jays aren't a very good baseball team. I'll give you that. So let's start there. We knew Indians pitching was going to be good. That was never a question, right? It was can they can they score runs? Can they score enough runs to be the the ninety plus win team that so many projected them to win? Like sure. I've said, yeah. I saw projections as high as ninety three, ninety four wins when it came to the to the Cleveland Indians. And I I just don't see that in that lineup. Mm-hmm. And I know it's early in the season, but evidence of that, they had an eleven run run differential over the Blue Jays this weekend in that four game sweep. Do you know what their run differential is for the season? Is it even one? Plus one. So after they were plus 11 (laughs) in a four game sweep of the Blue Jays, they're still just plus one on again. Yes, it's it's early season, but plus one on the season. And that's because that offense just can't score runs consistently enough. Getting Francisco Lindor back definitely will help. The guy's an AL MVP contender when he's right. But I, I don't think that Francisco Lindor being added back to that lineup fixes all the problems that they have offensively. If, if they're, to me, the Indians are going to have to add if they're if they're going to close the deal on the AL Central. So if, the, if let's say that they're ahead of or or even with the Twins come the trade deadline and they add a big bat, I could see them pulling away and winning the division from that point. But as things stand now, when I look at these two rosters, especially I look at that lineup one through nine for the Cleveland Indians, I just don't see how that team. Yeah. Is head and shoulders better than the Minnesota Twins and and wins this division running away. I just can't see that happening. Well, the lineup is yuck, and uh, Kipnis might be close to getting back, but honestly, if you're asking my opinion, I'm not sure that helps him a whole ton. I mean, another solid major leaguer, but he's, he's been kind older. of backsliding right. a little bit the last the couple years. The pointing down on Jason Kipnis. So getting Lindor back does become pretty important, and you know, in spring training, the talk was who's going to get back first, Lindor or Miguel Sano. And then it was looking pretty obviously like Lindor was going to get back. Well, then another ankle injury towards the very end of spring training pushed him back. I was on uh, the Indians website reading this from MLB.com. Here's what Tito Francona said about Francisco Lindor's not imminent return. I mean, he's not even doing baseball activities like Sano started the other day, according to reports. Um Here's what Tito said on Lindor. Quote, he's getting better every day. He's getting a little friskier every day, which is good. When we have news, we'll certainly share it, but he's doing a good job of getting after it. He's in here early, and he's getting after it pretty good. Anytime a manager makes up something good to say about a player, I just start thinking like, okay, well, then the news is a little ways away. If you don't have a, oh, well, hopefully by the end of this week, he's taking ground balls and hitting off the tee or what, whatever whatever real baseball activity you want to put on it, dodging a timeline is always kind of a red flag for me. And I go looking like, okay, what are you, what are you not telling us then? It's got to be at least weeks away uh, for Lindor. And you might even start looking at that like May timeline rather than 
he could get started here any day. So the Indians are going to be without one of their superstars for the foreseeable future. And now it's looking like with Sano starting baseball activities and lifting heavy, heavy objects and posting it to Instagram, I think he's probably going to beat Lindor back, and that bat will help boost the Twins' offense. But that pitching staff of the Indians. Oof. I mean, even a bad Blue Jays team to go one run, two runs, two runs, one run over the course of a weekend is oh, remarkable. Yeah, that, yeah, And Trevor Bauer almost threw a no-hitter in that game. Trevor Bauer, is he's so smart and so intellectual that... There's two sides to that coin. Like sometimes he's just annoying, and it's like dumb it down for the room a little bit, dude. And you're just you're just sure. a little obnoxious with how smart you are. But he's also really self aware. And I loved. I saw Terry Francona after that game saying when he went to the mound, Trevor Bauer said to him before Terry Francona could say anything, he was like, "I hate it, but I know you got to do it." And handed him the ball and walked away because sure. he was at what 141 pitches. Is or that something what it was? Oh, point. I didn't see the pitch. Count. I think so. Yeah. Nice. So he he's self aware and intelligent enough a guy to to understand and not let his ego get in the way of I'm throwing a no hitter. How could you possibly pull me out of the game? He saw what was going on and let his manager off the hook as easily <laughs> as you can let a manager off the hook. That's pretty good. Well, it's a bad look anytime you just like John Lackey it on the mound and not your John Lackey, Angels John Lackey, right. when he shouts off Mike Sosha trying to take him out. <laughs> of a playoff game. It's like, dude, I think that guy knows a thing or two about winning a playoff series. No disrespect here. I think that staff is going to be the envy of baseball this year and good for the Twins that they are in the conversation of being in contention with that club. Like The fact that we're even talking about it is a sign of progress. Yes, I don't track moral victories. That's not going to count for anything on October 1st that they're hanging in there, but now you know who your competition is. You know what you're up against. And to your point, Rami, that lineup isn't exactly intimidating. So keep taking care of business. Try to go take two or three every series and sweep when you can. You mentioned Miguel Sano probably closer to returning than Francisco Lindor. You sent me a link to Sano's uh, Instagram page yes. in an email today, but it's a protected Instagram page. <sighs> he has to approve me following him oh. before I can look at it. So, Well, just tell him you have Williams Astadio takes, and I'm sure you're oh, in. Is that all I have That's to say? probably it. Miguel. <laughs> Approve my request, dude. I like Williams. I root for him. No fat jokes, I promise. So, I, yeah, I, I guess I didn't know that. I shared that out on Twitter, and somebody said the same thing to me. They said they couldn't go see it. So, so I'll what just, is he doing in he this is, Picture video. a large man okay. named Miguel all right. in Twins workout gear. I'm closing my eyes. I'm picturing all this. In a Twins workout facility in a gym. He's up on the elevated, uh, you know, you walk into the gym, there's the spot where the guys, like, do their hang cleans and then slam down the weights. Yeah, like the, the, elevated boxes, floor. the boxes that they stand on? Uh, yeah, in that area. Oh, but like okay. it's like the elevated floor. It looks like oh, a basketball yeah, yeah, court. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So he's not slamming those weights down, but he's standing over a hex bar to deadlift. So it's like It looked like, if I did my math right, 455 pounds that Miguel Sano is holding on to. So, so picture Miguel Sano basically in a gym, in workout clothes, in twins gear, and then lifting up a small bus. <laughs> is basically what happened in this clip that he shared. So I'm looking at it as uh, I've really only seen him around in spring training. Most of the time he had the boot on. I saw him at Target Field briefly, and he's like putting on his socks. And I'm, I'm sitting here thinking... That heel's got to be really ginger. And now I see him wearing workout gear and he's throwing these weights around, like five plates on a side. And I'm thinking, 
okay, he must be feeling a little bit better these days. Yeah, you would think so. I, you couldn't do that if it was uh, sensitive Bride- in that area. That Dee Bridman's got to be healing up nicely if he's picking up 455 pounds. I mean, it's a positive sign. And right. so the fact that he's now walking around, whatever, and looking good, doing workouts. And they said he was cleared for baseball activities. Back to okay. minor base- baseball activities. And so... From me, I see that, and I think matter of time before now you send him out to Double A, and hey, head back to Florida, get some swings in, face some live pitching, and get back up here as quick as you can. Get ready to see us. We're still probably looking at like a May first, just to be safe, just to be fair. But early May or early April, the fact that he's chomping at the bit and doing some of this stuff to get back on the field, the the caption was something like "Can't wait to rejoin my teammates," and he shared that sentiment with me when I talked with him opening day. He's just. I don't know if frustrated is the right word, although that'd probably be fair to guess. Excited about his potential return. So that could be a couple weeks away. There is a, a concerted effort to get Byron Buxton playing time and plate appearances and everything else, which is is kind of easy to do in that outfield because center field is, is his spot. And there really yeah. isn't any debating whether or not anybody else should be playing center field other than Byron Buxton. Will they and can they make that same commitment to Miguel Sano to get him the playing time and the plate appearances for his development and to finally find out if this guy is going to live up to expectations or not? Or is there is there, is there not enough at-bats to go around between first base, third base, and DH with you have Crone and Marwin Gonzalez doing what he's doing, and then, of course, Nelson Cruz in the DH spot. Are the at-bats there to, to put him in that position to, like I said, get him the at-bats he needs for development and for the Twins and Twins fans' purposes – Find out if he's that dude or not. It's a great question. Uh, two ways to answer it. One would be, I don't know what the Twins are going to do. So I'd only be guessing. But let's fast forward. And then the second way is like, how would I handle it? Mm-hmm. I'd try to get him in the lineup regularly. But the, the short answer to your question is, no, it's not as easy as because a if Byron you put, Buxton. if you want to stick him at third, oh, yeah. you're either costing Marwin Gonzalez at bats or Rosario or Kepler in the corner outfield spots. If you put him at first, C.J. Crone yep. has looked very good. Obviously, you don't want to take Nelson Cruz's right. bat out of the lineup as, as often as you can avoid doing that. So where are the at-bats for Miguel Sano to be a nearly everyday player and develop and and find out if he's going to be that guy. Exactly. And it gets weird with Gonzalez could go back to the Marwin Gonzalez role that the Twins originally envisioned when they when they signed him or that Houston used him for a number of years. I'm going to go with the old baseball reporter cliche here and say that these things do tend to figure themselves out. <laughs> that so, saying followed me here. Didn't yes. It? <laughs> oh, oh, dude, it's omnipresent in baseball. You see, anytime a reporter gets asked a question by by a fan, well, how are they going to get so-and-so pitches? Ah, these things tend to figure themselves out. It's just the old crusty and they you often know, standby. Do. The weird thing is they often do. They, yeah, so, I mean, you can, you can first see a situation where if everybody stays healthy, healthy and hot that you how are you going to fit Sano in but I also want to say the twins don't necessarily envision it as this is our capital L lineup and everything else is a deviation or a step back the twins view it like all right if we're going to have x thousand plate appearances we want to make sure Buxton's getting his and Nelson Cruz is getting his Max Kepler's getting his Jorge Polanco's getting his we're working our catchers in and figuring out that playing time split Williams Acedio obviously has to get his, Rami. Uh, And then so Miguel Sano is going to be one of those factors in the equation. Defensively, it's tougher because he's basically, what, third base, some first base, some DH. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, well, like you're not stealing plate appearances from Nelson Cruz. Nelson Cruz is a better hitter right now. If Miguel Sano over time proves that he's better than that and reached a higher level, it's easy. All right, find a way to get our best hitter in the lineup. Right. But that's not where he is right now. Certainly he's not established yeah, as that. You'd like to see his bat earn him and make it obvious that he's an everyday player the same way that Byron Buxton's glove did. Exactly right. Yep. And, well, Buxton's hitting now, too. So right. this is great. They just got a superstar on but their But the thing hands. that made it real easy while you were waiting for Byron Buxton's right. bat to wake up was this guy's going to give you gold glove center field when he's not running into walls. I had this thought the other day watching Sunday's game that, like, Byron Buxton, if you could just ignore... Like, let's ignore last season and ignore what he does at the plate. So forget that he's off to a hot start. He's stung a couple baseballs. He's attacking counts early. He's looking like a hitter. Ignore that stuff for a second. At the other, the non-hitting, the non-plate appearance baseball things, Byron Buxton is elite. I mean, he's an all-star in terms of going track it down. I'd rather he didn't run into so many walls, but he's going to steal hits away from the other team. He's going to bring back some home runs. He's going to throw out Bryce Harper at the plate with a pea shooter to Williams Astadio. Oh, and he's going to steal a base at will anytime he wants to from anywhere on the field. Like, okay, that's an all-star player. Now can he just hit a little bit? So no, I'm not ready to say those same things, of course. He's not going to be a plus on the base paths. He has yet to prove to be a plus at third base. Maybe he can be, or maybe he can be like a league average third baseman with the arm. He's yet to prove that he's that plus player. So it's going to be harder for him to scratch the time out. I think that the Twins are going to have to make a concerted effort, though. Once he's healthy, once he's back, you can slow play it. But this day is coming. A, you got to make a roster decision. B, you've got to make a commitment to seeing this guy five times a week at a minimum so that that development can continue. And even if you're in a race, Miguel Sano can help you when he's his best version of himself. Even though he's lifting small vehicles, we're still looking at the same timeline, right? They said he'd be out till May. Likely, it's probably still out till May, right? I, I would think so. Yeah, I mean, Barrios is out there pushing trucks on a sandy beach in November, so that doesn't necessarily look and say, oh, he's, he's about ready to get going. I think it's just good to see. Looks good. He's clearly feeling good, and he's lifting heavy objects. That's a good sign. You ever push trucks or lift 455 pounds? Not by choice. Just, just to get your workout nope, in? Nope, not no. by choice. Yeah, I mean, you know. No, get stuck in the ditch or you got to dig yourself out. Sometimes you don't have a choice, but uh, never gone to the gym, uh, strapped him on, and decided to do that. I tried to avoid those things. I also tried to avoid physical confrontations. Apparently, the Pittsburgh Pirates don't follow that line of reasoning. We're going to talk with Bobby Nightingale about what went down in uh, Pittsburgh yesterday between the Pirates and the Reds. That's coming up next. You're listening to the Score North Twins Show on Score North on 1500 and scorenorth.com. How to become a fan of baseball and everything you need to know about how baseball works. And it might get a little crazy, but let's get straight to it. Whoever scores the most runs wins. It's the Score North Twin Show. Twins. twins coverage on Score North and scorenorth.com. And this portion of the Score North Twin Show is brought to you by Robert W. Baird and Company. Seems to be a difference of opinion, though. It's like the guys in the red shirts, they, they don't feel like they did anything wrong. And uh, Quig is going after it now. He's throwing some arms around. Just when you thought it had quelled. Well, Puig got his arms up. Well, I think Puig and the Cervelli were kind of jawing at each other as they were. everybody was leaving. 
That the call on Pirates Television. This is the Score North Twins show. I'm Rami Makloff along with Derek Wetmore, our Twins reporter. Find his thoughts, his musings on your Minnesota Twins at scorenorth.com. Manny Hill on the other side of the glass and joining us now to talk about that nonsense we just heard about. He covers those Cincinnati Reds for the Cincinnati Inquirer. It is Bobby Nightingale. Bobby, how are you this afternoon, sir? Doing great. How are you? Good. Can For those who didn't see it or don't know the whole story, they only saw what they saw on Twitter, can you give us the, the sort of the background of what led up to that moment we just heard right there? Yeah, so in the second inning, uh, Derek Dietrich, uh, he was playing first base yesterday for the Reds. He hit a home run. It went into the river beyond the right field. He admired it from the batter's box. He was in the <laughs> He stayed in the box for a few seconds and uh, Francisco Cervelli, the catcher, he said something to Dietrich uh, as he rounded when he crossed home plate. And then his next at bat, I think all the Pirates and Yasiel Puig was on the top railing. I think they all knew it was coming. Yep. And then Archer threw behind Dietrich, and that's kind of what started everything. Yeah, I mean, I got to give him props. First of all, Dietrich spells his first name exactly the way it should be spelled. <laughs> so I was happy to see that. But boy, did he get his admiration in that. Bobby, he he stood in that batter's box for a number of seconds. And I'm a guy who, I, I like bat flips and fun in the game and all that kind of stuff. And even I was like, I could kind of see why Archer and Cervelli are upset at him at this point. Yeah, you could you definitely noticed. I mean, the ball was out of the stadium, and it was like you looked down, and he's still in the batter's box. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but he he is the type of fiery guy. Like he hit a home run on opening day, and he was like pumping his fists around the bases. I mean, he's just one of those guys. And okay. The Reds, the way they've been struggling, they're off to they have the worst record in the majors right now. I think part of it was he kind of wanted to pump up his own team and. Uh, he just, you know, upset the Pirates at the same time. Sure. So I read your story on Cincinnati.com about the suspensions that are being handed out. Anything going to be done about this? I mean, assume an appeal is coming. Uh, what What is the fallout from the Reds' perspective? Yeah, I mean, Yasiel Puig said he, had, he didn't throw a punch. So, I mean, that he, he feels confident about it. And then uh, David Bell just... He got ejected. He wasn't sure why. He, he never got an explanation. Mm. Neither did Amir, Amir Garrett, who was also Reds reliever, who got ran from the bullpen and got ejected. Uh, so from their points, I mean, I, I, I think they were surprised by anything. After that that incident happened yesterday, another highlight, I guess you would call it, started to go viral on Twitter, and that was, I think, six days earlier, Chris Archer getting a strikeout against the Reds and then showboating, backpedaling his way off the mound almost all the way to the dugout. Did that fuel this at all? Is this Was that something that the Reds remembered? And so they said, okay, you're going to admire your work. We'll admire our work. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, Derek Dietrich, he had faced uh, Archer four times when he was with the Marlins and Archer was with the Tampa Bay Rays and he struck out all four times and Archer celebrated those a little bit too mm. uh, but just the fact that he admired the ball but he didn't kind of he never looked towards Archer makes me think he didn't try to show him up as much as the history was there it was there a little bit but it didn't seem like he made it a point to look at Archer or anything like that. Sure. Bobby, I got one last one for you. We'll let you go and I got to catch a plane here. We're looking at this thing uh, at kind of believed in the Reds a little bit preseason and you know me I'm not the kind of guy to overreact to 10 games but what is the feeling in Cincinnati right now after you mentioned the tough start they still think they can turn this thing around uh, in short order yeah I mean, if you talk to the fan base they are uh, in panic mode but <laughs> the players I mean surprisingly are 
they're really calm. I mean, they've all said they're not worried, and you just get the vibe that they had like a thirty. They had a thirty inning scoreless streak, so that was kind of a fluke thing that they don't think is going to stand. Their starting pitching has been good, which it hasn't been the last few years. So it's almost like they're so encouraged by the starting pitching, and they feel like they're hitting such a fluke that they just assume it's just going to turn around, you know, in the next few days or so. Oh, maybe this will be the turning point for them. <laughs> That's Bobby Make Nightingale. Right That's, <laughs> yeah. He's from the uh, Cincinnati Inquirer.com and our guest for the last few minutes here on the Score North Twins show. Bobby, really appreciate it, man. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks, Bobby. I don't know about you, Derek, but I hate stuff like that. And and you said you see where Chris Archer is coming from. Oh, I should be clear. I see where he's coming from, and he's totally wrong. He's totally off base. Right. Like, okay, so I, so I saw, let's just dive into it here, because sure. I think we've both got takes on yeah. this. I saw how much he admired it, and I thought, yeah, that's probably a little much. Just flip the bat and get I going. I loved it. Oh, man. But, like, five seconds? I yeah. mean, it splashes I, in the river, and then you set your bat down? I loved all of it. Okay. Okay, okay. <laughs> I loved every second of it. But then to be so sour grapes about it, if you're Archer, seems like such a bad look. And now, I mean, look, I don't, I don't like the whole fights thing that you got to clear the dugout and stuff. But it is. I saw that clip, and I thought, I don't have a problem with what Puig did. Like, Puig, at, from the camera angles I saw, and I saw three or four of them, didn't throw any punches. Yeah, he was trying to, and he was trying to throw his teammate off that of him picture, so he could get back into and it. And it's everywhere on Twitter now. It's that picture of the yes. whole team holding him back, and yes. he tries to take on all of the Pittsburgh Pirates is a great photo. And you know I what? Love the picture. He would have done it. I don't know if it was a teammate or if it was a a coach for the Reds, but somebody like had him like by the leg. Oh, uh, oh Tucker yeah. Barnhart was yeah. trying to hold yeah. him back. Yeah, I was like trying to hold it's him very back. Jeff by Van Gundy, like, like, yeah. Oh, it's fantastic. <laughs> well, he would have done it, and that's the thing is like. Okay, you're big and tough when you got a 94 mile an hour fastball to throw at this guy's rib cage. But you know, if you actually want to see something happen and get something done, Puig was the only one who would have stood up there and done it. So I, I don't like it. It's uh, it's no place in baseball. I guess I don't get why the Reds are getting the the short draw here on the suspensions. I don't I don't like this kind of behavior. But I think if you're going to penalize it, penalize the right guys. And I first of all, Chris Archer of all people. To take exception with with a guy celebrating a home run is ridiculous because of what I just pointed out with Bobby Nightingale there, which is that, and that wasn't the first time, he has a tendency. And guess what? I've enjoyed that too. Sure, I, li- I like seeing a picture get a pitcher get jacked up and excited and celebrate that he struck a guy out in a big spot to end the inning. Go ahead, pump your fist, backpedal all the way to the dugout, dude. If you can backpedal down the stairs into the dugout, <laughs> do it. I'm fine. He tried Mo- moonwalk. He I don't tried care. moonwalking to the dugout. But for him, yeah. a guy a guy who's who has a tendency to do that and who's the face of the Pittsburgh Pirates in the Let the Kids Play campaign. Ugh, I know. For him That's for him to, to start throwing at people well, because, let's go further. because we're letting the kids play is just absolutely ridiculous and the height of hypocrisy in baseball Let's today. go further, too, because baseball is going to hand out these suspensions and say, we don't like this kind of behavior. David Bell, for even speaking out on behalf of your team, you are now suspended. Thank you, sir. Please accept this. And... Then you're going to promote it on the hashtag cut for account. MLB's like little cutesy marketing viral video marketing wing. You can't tweet that out and take that Yasiel Puig photo that Manny was talking about and say, hang this in the Louvre. 
<laughs> it's a funny tweet. That is funny, and that's what they're trying to push with the like hashtag let the kids play. You can't do that and then turn around and hand out suspensions and be like, well, well not play that way. I mean, we got to have some rules here. There has to be some etiquette. Cool. Then don't market it that this is a big win for baseball. Right. It, it, Which it is. It just doesn't make sense. And the whole, so stupid. The whole throwing a baseball at somebody because your feelings are hurt is just the stupidest thing in sports, period. Mackey makes this analogy all the time. Can you imagine Russell Westbrook? throwing down on somebody and celebrating it afterwards, and the guy's response is to pick up the basketball and throw it at <laughs> Russell Westbrook's face. It's stupid. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever, and it's the only sport where well, we just go, well, that's the game. That's how it's played. It's stupid, and it needs to stop. It'd be like in goal uh, in hockey. You're parked in front of the goalie. You get a one of those hashtag greasy goals, and and then they wanted to fight you. You would never see that in hockey. That would not happen. In baseball, it's a little different because guys are running in from the bullpen and they're like, there's this danger element. I don't know, man. Miss me with that danger element. When's the last time we actually saw something happen besides Rugnet Odor and Don Zimmer getting thrown down by Pedro Martinez? Otherwise, it's pretty much hold me back, bro, all day in those things. You run in from the bullpen, they run in from their bullpen, top step clears out over the railing, and everybody just holds everybody back. Until it's, Yasiel Puig is involved. Well, <laughs> then things get real. He would have squared up. <laughs> Manny, sometimes, I don't know, because <laughs> you brought up the photo, and it's like that picture is worth well more than a thousand words. Yeah. The picture to me says... A lot of guys in that case want to be held back and say, you're lucky he's holding me back. Mm-hmm. I think Puig wanted to actually go. Oh, yeah. and he was not Yasiel Puig, yeah, definitely. <laughs> thankful they were holding him definitely. back. Definitely. It was the opposite. I go back to Archer throwing behind Dietrich, though. Like, wouldn't, wouldn't If a guy hits a home run off of you and pimps it and just stares at it for five seconds as it's going over the fence into the river, wouldn't your response be... The next time he comes up to strike him out, try to get him out, yes. and then show him up. Yes, if you strike him out, then if you know if you want to stare awesome. him down as he's going back to the dugout and have some words or whatever, that that's how you get him back. Don't don't try and plunk him because then but, it's a it's a three two ball game at uh, that point. The Dude. most the most flawed thing about this. How much time do I have here, real quick? Thirty man? seconds. The most flawed thing is the the way the umpires handle it. They knew a situation was developing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Warnings need to be handed out before Chris Archer throws a pitch yes. to Dietrich. Yes. And then he should Toss be ejected him. immediately and yep. suspended two weeks. If you missed any portion of this show, search Score North Twins wherever you download podcasts for this and all our Twins programming. For Derek Wetmore, Manny Hill, I'm Rami Makhlouf saying thanks for Call it Duty Modern Warfare is here, and so is Mountain Dew. Roger that. Now you can unlock in-game rewards like only Dew can. Wait. What rewards? A do operator skin. Man, I love operator skins. Dual double XP, and even Call of Duty points. You're kidding me. Double XP and Call of Duty points? This is incredible. I can't believe it. Soldier, get a hold of yourself. Oh, roger that. Look for specially marked packaging and visit mtndugaming.com for details and restrictions. Open to U.S. residents 17 plus. Call of Duty points available on 12 and 24 packs and free 20 and 23.